You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Colleen is off tonight. Tributes are pouring in for basketball legend Kobe Bryant. The former Lakers star and his 13-year-old daughter are among nine people killed today in a helicopter crash in Southern California. The chopper went down just before 10 this morning in foggy conditions in Calabasas, just northwest of Los Angeles. No one on board survived. 41-year-old Bryant, who lived south of L.A. in Orange County, often took helicopters to avoid the region's notoriously heavy traffic. The aircraft was on its way to the nearby Mamba Sports Academy, a training facility Bryant established. Emergency officials at the accident scene say it was a difficult fire to put out as they searched for survivors. In addition to our firefighters hiking into the incident, we had one helicopter flying to the incident with firefighter paramedics on board. Those paramedics were hoisted down to the incident early into the uh, incident. Um, they did a search of the area for survivors. Unfortunately, all the survivors on board were determined to have been perished. We have a manifest that indicates that there was nine people on board the aircraft, the pilot plus eight individuals. Uh, there is wide speculation as to who the identities are. However, it is entirely inappropriate right now to identify anyone by name until the coroner has made the identification. The sheriff's office isn't yet confirming the names of who was on that flight. The National Transportation Safety Board and the Federal Aviation Administration are taking the lead on the investigation into what happened to cause this tragic crash. Outside the Staples Center, the home of the Lakers, fans have set up a makeshift memorial for Kobe Bryant. He spent his whole NBA career with that team, but his impact stretched far past the basketball court. Our Squire Barnes has more now on his legacy, as well as reaction from the sports world and beyond. Kobe Bryant was one of those rare athletes who transcended his own sport. If you just said his first name, most people would know who you were talking about, even if they never watch basketball. But for those who do watch basketball, Kobe Bryant was one of the greatest players ever, whose athletic flair was matched by his flair for the dramatic. Yeah, that, that DNA that, uh, that very few athletes can ever have, you know, the, the Tiger Woods and the, the Michael Jordans. News of his tragic death in a helicopter crash along with his daughter Gianna was felt throughout the sporting world. Brazilian soccer superstar Neymar flashed Kobe's number 24 in tribute after scoring a goal on Sunday. Tiger Woods only five minutes after learning of Kobe's death while playing a PGA event in San Diego. It's a shocker to everyone. Um, un un unbelievably sad and um, one of the more tragic days that... Uh, I think, well, for me, it's just the rally just kind of sitting in. Across the NBA, in games on Sunday, teams refused to shoot in their first possessions, running out the 24-second clock, the 24 symbolizing Kobe. We all feel a, a deep sense of loss for what he meant to all of us in so many ways, and so many millions of people loved him for so many different reasons. In Los Angeles, fans gathered outside Staples Center, where Kobe Bryant helped the Lakers hang five championship banners, and where his farewell game in 2016 was an astonishing 60-point effort. It was a goodbye that was quintessential Kobe, 
dominating the game that he loves so much. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, God, I love you guys. And uh, what can I say? Mamba out. In other news, federal health officials say the man being treated for coronavirus at a Toronto hospital began showing symptoms while en route from Wuhan, China. As Paul Johnson reports, the outbreak has interrupted some Lunar New Year celebrations, but experts say the risk of transmission remains low. Gung Hei Fa Choi. It's Lunar New Year in Chinatown, and as always, the ancient tradition is going off with a bang. But take a look at the crowd here Sunday, as big as ever, and very few people wearing those surgical masks that have proliferated everywhere there's fear of coronavirus. This weekend, at least two other Lunar New Year events were canceled as a precaution, one in West Van and one in South Surrey, even though there's not a single suspected case that's turned up in B.C. so far. At the epicenter of the outbreak in Wuhan, Crews are scrambling to build a thousand-bed hospital in a week, and the megacity remains almost totally locked down. An unknown number of Canadians are stranded here, including the daughter of a B.C. woman who has told Global News she's anxious to hear more information from Ottawa about an evacuation plan for Canadians. And she's not alone. I think that Canada should be looking at uh, those kinds of practices from the other countries as well. Vancouver East MP Jenny Kwan is deputy health critic and wants Global Affairs Canada to consider what the United States and France have already announced. Charter flights scheduled for the coming week to get their citizens out of Wuhan. Global Affairs released a statement Sunday saying they're in contact with and providing assistance to Canadians on the ground. But they didn't elaborate on what kind of assistance they're giving and made no reference to an evacuation plan if one exists. Back in Chinatown, one of the many politicians at the parade was BC's health minister, Adrian Dix, briefly swarmed by reporters with questions about coronavirus. He reminded them it's not been detected yet in B.C. And beyond regular healthy living habits, British Columbians ought not to panic in the year of the rat. Paul Johnson, Global News. Meantime, the U.S. is also reporting three new cases of the coronavirus, all of the patients traveling to Wuhan. And as Paul mentioned, U.S. officials are now working to get American citizens out of the city. Global News' Jennifer Johnson continues our coverage. U.S. officials are now preparing to evacuate all diplomats, their families and other American citizens, over a thousand people, out of Wuhan, China, the epicenter for the outbreak of a new coronavirus. It's a process that could require several trips and planes. We're not entirely sure. George Goodwin, an American teacher in Wuhan, is nervously waiting to see what will happen. We know, for example, that the U.S. consulate was told to evacuate, but they haven't been able to. Um, and that kind of set a lot of us on edge. There are now at least five confirmed cases of the coronavirus in the U.S., states that include Arizona, California, Washington, and Illinois. She was infected in Wuhan, so she starts to develop symptoms three to four days after getting back. Doctors advising people to take precautions because the incubation period for this new viral illness is so long. Wash your hands 
frequently if you can. If you can't, try to use the alcohol. Stay away from crowded places where there are a lot of people that are sneezing and coughing and just do general healthy measures. The French government also held an emergency meeting and now plans to airlift its citizens out of Wuhan back to France. The virus is being reported in over 10 countries. Precautions are being taken around the world. This person escorted off a plane in Baltimore. Because of the heightened time, uh, we're just using an abundance of caution. Surgical masks are selling out. Parks, including Disneyland Hong Kong, are being closed as the virus spreads. Of course, we're disappointed, especially it's my mom's birthday. Chinese New Year celebrations have also been canceled, from a parade in Paris to celebrations in Colorado. There are people coming from China, so we want to make sure that people are free of concerns of spreading of the disease. Millions of people around the globe taking no risks as this deadly virus and fears of contracting it continue to spread. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Shocking new video has emerged of a dangerous incident on a busy Maple Ridge Road. It shows a man violently jumping on top of a car at a stop sign at Dooney Trunk Road and 210th Street. As the vehicle starts to move, he sits on the roof and windshield, refusing to get off. The driver slows down slightly as the man falls to the passenger side, but he keeps clinging onto the car. The driver carries on dragging the man alongside the hatchback. Rich Meadows RCMP says it's investigating the incident and officers have identified the people involved. They do plan to provide an update on Monday. Man, that guy, wow. It's, uh, wow, unbelievable. Well, if somebody did that to my car, I'd probably stop the car. I wouldn't keep going. I couldn't believe that happened here. (laughs) I thought at first, I thought it was a video, just like a crazy video you see of something happening far away. And then I realized, oh no, that's Maple Ridge. An investigation has been launched after a disturbing discovery in Richmond and a warning, the details are unsettling. During a routine check Saturday, staff at the Hilton Vancouver Airport Hotel found eight dead puppies in the second level of the hotel's parkade. It appeared someone had dumped the puppies at the Mineru Boulevard Hotel. The manager immediately notified Richmond RCMP. The BCSPCA was also notified and could potentially initiate an animal cruelty investigation. The Regional Animal Protection Society, or RAPS, says it hopes to gain possession of the deceased puppies tomorrow. My understanding is they found them spread out over a specific area and not all together. And so the puppies were all over the place and then that they were all brought together into a box of some sort and uh, taken to RCMP headquarters in Richmond. We don't know if the uh, puppies were left there. We don't know if the mother gave birth there and took off, right? And if it's a stray dog. Um, So again, we don't know if somebody did this or if something happened. There's new alarming video from Vancouver Island of a wolf that has been spotted roaming around homes in the Victoria area. This was shot by residents in James Bay on Saturday. The animal confidently striding along the sidewalk on Michigan Street towards Montreal Street. Victoria Police also releasing two photos of the wolf in a tweet. Police and conservation officers are now attending parks and areas with children to ensure there are no interactions with the wolf. Officials say it might be a well-known wolf which lives on Discovery and Chatham Islands. People are being told to bring their pets and small children indoors. Officials say if you do see a wolf, make yourself as big as possible by raising your arms and making a lot of noise. 
Vancouver's Buddhist temple sits in the heart of the city's old Japantown. It's also right across from Oppenheimer Park, where increasing violence linked to an unsanctioned tent city has made members feel unsafe in their own neighborhood. As Kristen Robinson reports, a recent break-in was the last straw. It's been a fortress for spirituality since 1904. We have a secure underground parking garage. But safety at the Vancouver Buddhist temple has been compromised. Our sense of security is definitely not here anymore, you know, with the, the camping. Once home turf for the Vancouver Asahi baseball team and Japanese pride, the heart of old Japantown, now a tent city. It's very disappointing to see the area deteriorate in such a, a huge magnitude. There's fear. Parents are not bringing their kids here much anymore. Attendance down as crime shoots up. And it was open for probably 24 hours. So there was a lot of people going through here. January 18th, the temple garage broken into. Among the items missing, 1,500 frozen pastries baked by volunteers for a fundraiser and tents from the Powell Street Festival. Surveillance video shows dozens of people moving in and out while the door was open. Just whatever they can get their hands on, just to carry it out. They, they had a wheelbarrow of ours and they... They start carrying it different directions, north to Oppenheimer and to next door. So it was like a free-for-all. The temple president says they didn't have to go far to find 80% of the stuff. The sight of just having our uh, items all over at Oppenheimer Park was very disheartening. There was an injunction sought in 2008 and as well as 2014, specifically at Oppenheimer Park. And, uh, you know, repeating the same sort of strategy and the same decision-making process that took place then and expecting a different result, I think, is, is a little bit wrong-headed. Instead, the park board majority voting seven weeks ago to oppose an immediate clearing of the park in favor of hiring a third party for a solution based on First Nations reconciliation. The Japanese people and the Buddhists aren't really... Uh, the type of people to complain, but we felt that we've been let down. That is a public park, and I'd like to see kids play or you know, people playing baseball. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A ski hill near Oliver has closed one of its two chairlifts and reported a former employee to the RCMP. Baldy Mountain Resort's Sugarlump chairlift was closed to skiers and snowboarders for a second day in a row. In a Facebook post, the resort said it's actively investigating the action of a former employee but didn't share any specifics. Mount Baldy says it's working with Technical Safety BC as well as Lyft Company partners to ensure its equipment is safe. A temporary bridge is helping get traffic on Highway 4 moving once again to and from Tofino. Crews were able to install the bridge earlier than scheduled. The highway was damaged Thursday when a scheduled explosion as part of the Kennedy Hill Safety Improvement Project caused a large volume of rock to fall across the road. There will be single-lane alternating traffic allowed through for the duration of the project. There will also be some closures. Drive BC has all of those updates. Welcome back. Tonight, a mother's desperate plea for answers. It was almost two years ago that her son, Colton Flurry, went missing from Prince George. There have been sightings of the teen in Vancouver, and his mom has made numerous trips to the city searching for him. Here's Grace Key. My missing son. Yeah. May well be two years that he's missing. I've got my phone number on the back of there. Thank you. Phyllis Fleury is in Vancouver's downtown east side in a desperate search for her missing son, Colton. She's working on one of her many leads, and it looks like someone may have spotted him recently. 
So yeah, I, they've seen him there too. He's running, he's just running away. Yeah. Rebel, you know? They've seen him at working here. Colton was last seen on May 3rd, 2018 at a hotel in downtown Prince George where his mother worked and lived. He had been in a group home and it was his first day back in his mother's care. He got up at 7 in the morning. He didn't bring no clothes and he just left out the door. Now I rolled over and I thought he was going to the bathroom. We checked on the cameras later and he was walked away from the motel where we were living and never seen him again. Colton was 16 years old when he disappeared. In October, he'll turn 19. This is Phyllis's 10th trip to Vancouver in search of her son since he disappeared. She says she just wants to know that he's okay. If he's watching, you know, I'm not here to take him home. I'm not here to put him back in ministry care. I just want a hug from him and tell him that I love him. RCMP say there were no signs of foul play and efforts have been made in a search but without success. If you have any information, you're asked to contact Prince George RCMP or Crime Stoppers to make an anonymous tip. Grace Key, Global News. A former Kelowna RCMP officer is facing a new civil suit over allegations of serious misconduct. As Global Okanagan's Jules Knox reports, this isn't the only case filed against Brian Burkett. According to recently filed civil court documents, former Kelowna RCMP officer Brian Matthew Burkett took the personal phone number of a woman who had turned to police for help and then sexted her. The civil case alleges that back in October 2012, a woman in Duncan called 911 to report a dangerous and aggressive driver. Court documents say that she went to the local detachment to give a statement, and when she was done, Burkett started to comment suggestively about the woman's appearance and body piercings. Then, within minutes of the woman leaving the police station, Burkett allegedly sent her more than 15 inappropriate sexual messages. This is the third civil case against Burkett. Another lawsuit sets out allegations that he responded to a domestic assault in Kelowna back in May of 2016, taking the victim's personal cell phone number and then messaging her that he would be visiting her while on shift and expected sexual favors. He was arrested for breach of trust, but according to court documents, months later, Burkett's RCMP colleagues allegedly broke down the door of the woman's house, ripped her out of bed, and took her to the hospital because of an anonymous tip. The lawsuit says the victim wasn't admitted to hospital, but she was left terrified and confused. Court documents say that the woman and her mother made repeated calls to the watch commander for an explanation, but were ignored. Burkett has not yet filed a response to the civil allegations, and it's important to note that they have not been proven in court. The former Kelowna Mountie is also facing criminal charges for breach of trust against seven different people, and lawyers involved in that case are expected to be back in court on Monday. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Today, rescuers saved a two-year-old girl and her mother who had been trapped beneath the debris of their collapsed apartment building in eastern Turkey for nearly 28 hours. Crews have been working around the clock since Friday's powerful 6.8 magnitude quake rattling the region. There have been more than 700 aftershocks since. At least 40 people have been killed in the disaster. That number is expected to rise 
Meantime, a camera captured some scary moments in a hospital room as the quake hit. Nurses trying to protect a mother and her newborn baby who was delivered right before the intense shaking began. Officials say both mother and child are doing well. Today in Markham, bereaved family and friends said their final farewell to a mother and daughter killed in the Ukrainian Airlines crash near Tehran. As Camille Karamali reports, although devastated, mourners were thankful the bodies could be laid to rest here in Canada. This is unbearable. I hope never, ever happens to anyone. A heartbreaking eulogy from a man who lost his daughter and granddaughter, the bodies of 37-year-old Sahar Haju and her daughter, 8-year-old Elsa Jadidi, lay in caskets in front of him. The tears flowing freely, but underneath it all, some relief. Their remains finally returned home after a battle with the Iranian government, which wanted the mother and daughter buried in Iran. With the remains finally home, those who knew them trying to find some peace. We lost uh, part of the family. The mosque completely packed with mourners. We had people from different religions here. We had people from different faiths, from different cultures. Um, we saw that people were praying in different ways. Well, our, our heart is broken, not just our families, everyone in Ontario. Both mother and daughter attended this mosque regularly, an integral part of the community, which is why people here say they'll be missed so deeply. I miss them and this world really will miss them because they were so active, so lovely, so kind. Sahar was an experienced broadcaster on an English-language show in Iran. She also ran a program at the YWCA in the greater Toronto area to help settle immigrant and refugee women in Canada. The grief was too heavy for Sahar's father, her friends, now trying to move on with this in mind. Hug your family members, your friends a little bit harder. Um, just know that we're blessed to be in this country and we hope that it never happens again. Camille Karamali, Global News. There, Yvonne, it was a beautiful day, actually, for a bit of time. There was some sun. Yeah, there was a brief break just in between. We are tracking some active weather that's moving in tonight, and there is the potential for hail, so we'll have more in just a moment. Good evening, everyone. Temperatures right now sitting at 9 out of the airport. We're reporting some rainfall that is moving in. A southeasterly wind at 26 kilometres per hour. Here's a quick glance at what we are seeing. Some moisture moving across the island. It'll push in towards the west end for Metro Vancouver, and then we will see periods of rain this evening and leading in towards the morning hours on our Monday. A quick some of the numbers for the precipitation that we've seen for January so far. We've had one day without precipitation. That was on the 9th, and on Thursday we had a significant amount of rain. Right now we're well above the average at 198 millimeters. The average sits at 168, and we will continue to add that for the last week of January. I'll have that in your long range in just a moment. So there is a few waves of moisture that are going to push in this evening. It'll be falling as rain right across the south coast, and then there are a series of lows that are going to move in across the province over the next few days, and if you're traveling in the interior, we will be tracking some snow. The heaviest rain will be tonight. By tomorrow morning, a bit of a break in between systems for Metro Vancouver. So heading out to work or school will just be a chance of showers. And then towards the afternoon and evening, another wave is going to move in. So it is on and off rainfall as we get in towards next week. But temperatures will still be remaining quite mild. 10 and up to 15 millimeters is the number that we're aiming for as we progress throughout the day tomorrow. Higher amounts will be inland for the island and lesser amounts for the southern tip near Victoria. Snowfall will continue tonight and through the day on Monday if you're heading along the Kootenay Pass. Still up to 15 centimeters. The Coquihalla hope to merit 
5 and up to 10 centimeters. And then the Rogers and Allison Pass, anywhere between 4 to 8. Areas near Whistler for the Sea to Sky, 2 and up to 4 centimeters. And then some wet snow. This is what it currently looks like on the Coquihalla. So it'll pick up in waves through the day for traveling along the mountain passes. It's really higher elevations that we'll be looking at accumulating snowfall. Dry for the northeastern corners of the province. The wind chill, however, feeling closer to minus 10, but there is sunshine for the next two days. White horse with the wind chill at minus 14. Snow moving in on Tuesday and rebounding quite quickly on a Wednesday. The northern half of the province along the coast, it'll stay as rain. Inland, especially for areas near Terrace and Stewart, could see a few flurries in the mix, but not much in terms of accumulation. And then a heavier round of rain moving in for Tuesday and continuing for Wednesday. Caribou and Central Interior, higher elevations, flurries for the morning hours, seeing that changing over to rain, especially for the valley bottoms. And the Columbian Kootenai, it's higher elevations that we'll be looking at five centimeters of snowfall tomorrow. Tops in Okanagan up to six towards the afternoon. Moisture moving in on Tuesday into Wednesday will be falling as snow for many spots. And most areas near Whistler, two and up to four centimeters. It's wet snowfall. And most areas along the island, we will see that rainfall heaviest overnight. And then easing off, a bit of a break will just be for the morning hours. Five-day forecast for Metro Vancouver. We will be looking at the morning hours, a bit of a break. It picks up lunch hour and after school for your school day forecast. Numbers over the next few days, mild up to 9, 10 and up to 15 millimeters. Heavier rain will push in for the afternoon. And periods of rain so far for both Tuesday, Wednesday, quite the soggy looking forecast. Jen? Mm-hmm. Soggy but nice temperatures. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, imagine shedding your clothes while outdoors on an Antarctic ice sheet. Cold yet? Well, now imagine jumping in the water beneath the ice sheet. The UN patron of oceans, Louis Pugh, did just that, swimming for 10 minutes and 17 seconds in a supra-glacial lake. An endurance swimmer, Pugh donned just a swimsuit, goggles, and cap for the daring dip. East Antarctica holds the record for the lowest temperatures on Earth, and Pugh says it was the most frightening swim of his life. It's a symbolic swim. It's a swim which is saying this place is under threat. And if we don't get a grip of this situation and start taking action now in terms of cutting carbon emissions and getting serious about climate change, this ice sheet becomes unstable. I don't know. I don't think I can do it as I'm amazed he can speak. I would imagine it would take uh, a while to thaw out after Uh, something like that. Add on the big heavy coat. I did note that for sure. Uh, thanks for being here today, Barry mm-hmm. Delay. You've had some sad news. Yeah, well, you've obviously touched on it. I think we found out around noon uh, our time that uh, Kobe Bryant had uh, tragically died in a helicopter crash. I think, uh, you know, it touches everybody, whether you're in basketball or just any citizen. Uh, a guy who's got that kind of indestructible superstar persona who just played a few years ago, like, you, you can't believe it. You can't believe it when you hear it, and especially the fact he was taking his daughter to a basketball game with a lot of their teammates, and it's just super sad. So we will have uh, more commentary and more reaction from around the world as uh, people kind of come to grips with uh, really just a huge story, and, and uh, there's not much more you can say. It's just sad uh, and, and hard to believe on so many levels. Yeah, it is very 
very sad. Okay, well, we'll stick around, mm -hmm. obviously, to check in with you in just a few moments. Welcome back. Time for sports. A very delay and very sad day today for the NBA and the sports world. Yeah, it's uh, one of those days people will always uh, remember, unfortunately. Thanks very much, uh, Jennifer. It is a somber day in the NBA and all over the sporting world today with the sudden and tragic death of Kobe Bryant. The 41-year-old Bryant was going to a youth basketball game with his 13-year-old daughter and seven others when their helicopter crashed. All nine in the crash were killed. Apparently, Kobe did use helicopters to travel around L.A. all the time to avoid the bad traffic. The news has hit the NBA community hard, losing one of the greatest of them all with a bigger-than-life personality to match. You know, uh, I just don't have a lot to say. I, uh, the news is just devastating to everybody uh, who knew him, known him a long time. It's a shocker to everyone. Um, un un unbelievably sad and um, one of the more tragic days that uh, I think, well, for me, it's just, the rally is kind of sitting in because um, I've just told Carlo about, you know, five minutes ago. By the way, the Lakers don't play again until Tuesday night at Staples Center against the Clippers. That will be an incredibly emotional night. The news of Kobe's death came just an hour or so before the Raptors game in San Antonio this afternoon. Despite the gut-wrenching news, the game did go on as planned. A moment of silence for Kobe Bryant beforehand. Tim Duncan, Spurs legendary center, shaken up, played against Kobe dozens of times in those great Lakers-Spurs playoff battles. Kobe wore number 24 with the Lakers, and as a tribute at the start of the game, the Raptors ran the 24-second shot clock down and then handed the ball over to the Spurs. Fans standing up and cheering that gesture, and then the Spurs did the exact same thing. Kobe meaning so much to each and every one of these players and coaches, a touching tribute on such a shocking and devastating day. They did play basketball, and Pascal Siakam came out and had a Kobe-like first quarter. Hits the three-pointer at 15 points already at that point. Later in the quarter, Pascal with his fifth three-pointer of the quarter, up to 23 points, and he finishes off the uh, first uh, 12 minutes with this two-point jumper. 25 points for Siakam, a new franchise record for points in a quarter, breaking Kyle Lowry's record of 22. Third quarter, Spurs roared back, but Serge Ibaka with the dunk gets Toronto back up by one. And in the fourth, the Raps running the floor. Siakam throwing down on the alley-oop from Fred Van Vliet. Siakam finished with 35. Toronto led by six. Spurs tied it. But in the final minute, steady Freddie. Fred Van Vliet with the three, and Toronto wins in San Antonio. For the first time since 2007, they've now won 10 straight. 110-106 the final on a very tough day for everyone in the basketball world. The All-Star break is over in the NHL, and the Canucks get right back at it tomorrow night at home to the St. Louis Blues. The Blues lead the Western Conference. Vancouver leads the Pacific Division by one point over four other teams. Now, the Canucks did practice this afternoon. They have 33 games left on their schedule. They likely need to get around 95 points to get in the playoffs. That means a record somewhere around 18 and 15 to get in, and that is certainly doable. Elias Pettersson and the Canuck All-Stars made their mark last night in 
St. Louis in the final. They took on Atlantic. They were down 3-1, but Matthew Kachuk stole the puck from his little brother Brady and fed Patterson on the breakaway, who beat Andre Vasilevsky to make it 3-2. The Atlantic went up 4-3, but Patterson will tie it. A great pass from Quinn Hughes, who had a goal and five assists in the two games he played yesterday. He was fantastic. What a shot by Pedersen for his second to make it 4-4. And then with two minutes to go, Tomas Hertel, who scored four goals in the opening game, gets the game winner. 5-4 Pacific wins the All-Star game. And they also get the $1 million first prize. Final round of the Farmers Insurance Open from Torrey Pines in San Diego. Tiger Woods starting the day five back of leader John Rahm. As Tiger stated in his interview, he did not find out about Kobe Bryant's death until after his round. On the second, Tiger right at the pin. And we mean right at it. It's down, but it's back out again. The ball was down for an eagle too, but jump back out. Tiger would get a birdie. He would finish... Nine under, tied for ninth, pretty good first effort for the first tournament of the year for Tiger. Meanwhile, Australian Mark Leishman came out firing, five birdies on the front side, then sinks the 14-footer for birdie to get to 11 under, or at 11, rather. Overnight leader John Rahm had a horrible start, was four over through his first five, but he recovered, made this eagle on 13 to get back into contention. Leishman, though, playing a couple groups ahead, has this birdie putt on 18, and he just sneaks it in, and that was huge. He finished at 15 under, edging out Rom by one shot to take the Farmers Insurance Open. Leishman winning that tournament on Australia Day. LPGA Tour is in Boca Raton, Florida. Final round of the inaugural Gainbridge LPGA. It was no day at the beach early on for Sweden's Madeline Sagstrom, who lost her lead after a couple of bogeys early in her round, but recovered to hit this beautiful shot on 17, led to a birdie, and she's tied for the lead. It looked like it would be a playoff with Japan's Nasa Hataoka, but on 18, Hataoka misses the short putt, and Madeline Sagstrom wins her first-ever LPGA Tour event. Canada's Brooke Henderson finished tied for 15th at 7-under. is finally healthy and is perhaps playing his most well-rounded tennis ever. Yes, his bullet serve has been unstoppable so far. He's yet to lose a service game through four matches in Melbourne, but he's returning well and moving well. He will need all of those qualities and more if he hopes to make it past the quarterfinals where top seed Novak Djokovic stands in his way. If you missed it late last night, Milos took on Marin Cilic in the fourth round. Milos won the opening set and then started the second with a breakup serve thanks to this fantastic return. This is what has been noticeably improved, getting his racket on more balls and hitting winners and then serving for the second set Milos with the cross-court forehand winner takes the set six games to three his poise seems to be on he's just got all parts of his game in tune third set Milos faced two set points but that big serve got him out of trouble 33rd ace of the match he will hold the get to five all then he broke and then serving for the match bangs ace number 35 as Raonic wins it He's not dropped a set in four matches, has not been broken, 59 straight service holds, but he gets Novak Djokovic in the quarters. He's never beaten Djokovic in nine attempts. That match goes late tomorrow, our time. Well, a heck of a run by our Canadian women at the HSBC Rugby Sevens from New Zealand. They met the home side in the championship match this after they beat Australia to keep their perfect record intact. Canada had to have a strong start, and they did get the turnover here. Brittany Benn will go in for the try, but that was Canada's only try of the match. The uh, Black Ferns tied it before halftime, and then it's this 
try here as New Zealand came out for the seventh consecutive time, now unbeaten in 13 straight matches against Canada, 24-7 the final. New Zealand also won the men's tournament. Canada's men finished fifth. FA Cup, fourth round, Liverpool visiting Shrewsbury Town, who play in League One, two steps below Premier League. Liverpool played most of their big guys, but they also got some help from Shrewsbury. An own goal early second half made it 2-0 Liverpool. It looked like it was over, but Shrewsbury got one back on a penalty. And then in the 75th, Jason Cummings, who converted the penalty, sends the Shrewsbury supporters into a frenzy. It ends 2-2. They'll need a replay either next Tuesday or Wednesday at Anfield. What a thrill that will be for those players. Liverpool will play a very young squad hoping to advance to the fifth round. Manchester United also also taking on a League One squad, 21st placed Tranmere. That would be, uh, there would be no upset here. Harry Maguire getting Man U off on a good start in the 10th to make it 1-0. Now 2-0, Jesse Lingard. Easy as you like to make it 3-0. And by halftime, Anthony Martial made it 5-0 as uh, Man United flexed their muscles against inferior opposition. 6-0 the final as Man United moves on to the fifth round. X Games from Aspen, Colorado last night. Max Perot leading an all-out Canadians assault on the slopes. They had two gold, two silver, four silver rather, and two bronze so far. Perot chasing the uh, men's snowboard, uh, uh, men's snowboard big air. A year ago, he was diagnosed with cancer. Went through 12 rounds of chemo, and he wins his sixth career X Games gold medal calling it a triumphant comeback. No kidding. Triumphant, uh, tremendous showing by Canadians at the X Games as Max Perot is the X Games Big Air champion. Until the end of that final run, it all comes down to this. Backsider, frontsider, know that. Sometimes finishing second best to your fellow countrymen isn't such a bad thing. Mark McMorris made history last night as he wins the silver behind Max Perot. McMorris with his 18th career X Games medal ties him with the great Sean White for most medals ever in X Games history. And NFL Pro Bowl from Orlando. Russell Wilson was voted as the NFC starter, but in a class move, deferred to 40-year-old Drew Brees to get the start. Brees then throws a 16-yard touchdown pass to Michael Thomas, 7-0 NFC in front. Second quarter, Wilson now in at quarterback, fires a 6-yard touchdown to Amari Cooper, the Dallas Cowboys, 14-7 NFC. Fourth quarter, NFC threatening to take the lead, but Kirk Cousins is hit and he fumbles the football. It's scooped up by T.J. Watt of the Steelers. He's the younger brother of the Texans, J.J. Watt. TJ takes it all the way back. An 82-yard fumble return for the touchdown. AFC wins it 38-33. Super Bowl 54 between the Chiefs and 49ers goes next Sunday in Miami. And I think the Chiefs are still very slight favorites. Okay. If you want to get your wagers in, which I know you like to play. Oh, totally. I better get all that. <laughs> Here's a look at your snow report for tonight. Whistler Blackcomb with 10 new centimeters, one for Cypress and Sasquatch, four. Five new centimeters for both Manning Park and Revelstoke, four for Fernie, Kicking Horse, a base of 161. Big White, eight new centimeters, three for Silver Star, Sun Peaks, four, and Apex, nine. Eight new centimeters for Mount Washington, Red Mountain, four, and Powder King, a base of 298. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, navigating an airport can be challenging for anyone, but for kids living with autism, it can be an overwhelming experience. Today, some families in Kelowna have the chance to go through the motions, but without the pressure of having to take off. Global's Kimberly Davidson reports. 
And you guys have how many people traveling today? Flying can be stressful. You have to navigate crowds and contend with loud noises. Sometimes you're rushing, and then you're waiting. And these things can be even more stressful for children with autism. New things for him are very hard. So once he's done something once or twice, it's familiar for him, right? And it's not as nerve-wracking anymore. So the Kelowna International Airport partnered with the Canucks Autism Network to provide a trial run. 22 families are going through all of the airport steps, from check-in to security to boarding, to give the kids a chance to become familiar with the experience. It's her first time pretend flying, and it'll be her first time flying on February 10th. So, yeah, we're going to Disney World. The program's about giving um, children and their families the freedom to fly. Airport and airline staff do everything they can to make the experience as real as possible, like printing out boarding passes, checking luggage, and serving onboard snacks. They did sound effects and everything, so if you feel like you're taking off. And these children are a little more prepared when the time comes to take the trip of their dreams. To uh, see my grandma. Toronto. Because it's the biggest city in Canada and I want to just, and I just like Toronto for some reason. And that's peace of mind for their parents. Kimberly Davidson, Global News, Kelowna. That's great, and mm, he just likes idea. Toronto for some reason, yeah. he says. That's a great <laughs> idea for them. Excellent. Uh, Yvonne, any advice for our work week ahead? Uh, we are going to be seeing rain on and off. Final look at our five-day forecast. Be prepared. Tomorrow morning, though, when you're heading out, it looks like we may have a bit of a break in between systems. It does pick up for the afternoon and evening, so grab the umbrella when you're heading out. It'll be on and off uh, throughout the week, uh, but temperatures will be on the mild side. Quite comfortable getting up to nine over the next few, so not too bad. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. Great, thanks so much. And Barry, we'll see you tonight mm-hmm. on final. Yes. Excellent. And here's a look at Lunar New Year celebrations for Year of the Rat. Happy New Year. Happy New Year! Thank you.